So when I first got into this, we we would we were able to go to the yellow pages, which was this big yellow book that you know you would you would you would put all over the house. It would you'd get one or two you know uh, on your front doorstep, and that's how you found people, right? Welcome to Life of a Founder. Our goal here is to give you an inside look at the experiences of small business owners who have started, operated, and grown a business from the ground up. We strongly believe that there's no better way to learn than by listening to the stories of others. So whether you're already an entrepreneur or dreaming of becoming one in the future, we are sure you'll gain valuable insights from every episode. Without further ado, let me introduce you to the man behind the mic, our host, Matthew Sumter. Hey, welcome to Life of a Founder. I'm Matthew Sumter, and I'd like to introduce you to my guest today, Jeremy Biswell, the founder of Flues Brothers Chimney and Fireplace Service. And before we get started today, can you go ahead and give us your one piece of advice that you would give someone who's thinking about starting their own business? You're thinking about starting your own business. The biggest piece of advice that I would say is, is are you ready? Are you ready to dedicate a lot of time, a lot of energy? It might even come to the deficit of being able to do or attend certain things. You might have to give up a few things. But um, in the long run, if you find something that interests you and that you're passionate about, kind of like this podcast here, kind of a, pa- a passion thing, which is great. And hopefully it turns into a, a, a full-time deal. But uh, the minute you do that, all the extra work, the 18-hour days, six, seven days a week and everything, it just, it just kind of dissipates. And uh, you don't mind doing it because most, most, most businesses start off as what I like to call or what a lot of people call side hustles. Um, back in my day, it was just an extra job. <laughs> and then to watch that grow, but at the same time, you have to still do your full-time job so you can pay the bills and everything else. And then you're doing this with the extra time. So um, when I built my business, I built it on basically I would get up and I would do my primary job, which was uh, breakfast catering. It was uh, Chris Cakes. And a lot of people in the Kansas City area probably know Chris Cakes, kind of a show thing. And you go in and uh, we do pancake breakfast and crack some jokes. And it's kind of a show slash breakfast thing. And then I would get done with that probably around 11 o'clock. And then I would run chimney appointments. And I would subcontract myself out to other chimney sweep companies in town as well to stay busy, get experience, get networking and everything. And then I'd get home. I'd try to get home around uh, four or five, spend family time until about eight. And then I'm back in the office uh, until 11, 12, wow. one in the morning. And you okay. do that for years. Yeah. Um, you kind of got, got into some of the questions, but I was going to say, <laughs> you know, go ahead and tell me a little bit about your business. Um, you can, you're a chimney sweep essentially. Yeah. Just tell me about your business in general, yeah, the so, structure and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So we, uh, so we own a, uh, chimney and fireplace, uh, business. We do, uh, Chimney cleanings and inspections are our primary inspections being probably more primary than cleaning. Uh, but then we also uh, do a lot of repairs and uh, we install some fireplaces and things like that. We do a lot of exterior repairs. Uh, we also own a, a small sheet metal shop as well. Is that sheet metal shop mainly to support your main business or is that something you just started as another 
side item. So it was totally to support the main business. The best, the best add-on businesses that you can do uh, are ones that support the primary and you can help uh, with others. So we, uh, we were having problems. We had grown um, and most of the chimney stuff that we need, I had a local sheet metal shop kind of doing some stuff, but they couldn't keep up. And a friend of mine had started his own little sheet metal shop to basically support his chimney business. And he's like, man, you need to do it. It 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 just makes things so much easier. You don't get damaged product in and it doesn't take forever and you're kind of on your own time at that and uh and so i thought yeah let's go ahead and invest some and uh we did and uh it's not only helping us but we've got uh four other chimney uh companies local that uh utilize us and uh, a couple roofers right now so okay wow yeah Step back to when you really started this. You said you kind of started as a side hustle. You were working multiple jobs. Mm -hmm. How long ago would you say it was and how old were you when you really started this as a full-time business? I was 23 years old, right around that when I started this. It started around the year 2000, Mm -hmm. just before I was, uh, uh, and now I'm 46, so um, I've been doing it for, um, geez, 23 years. years. Yeah. Yikes. Uh, So, Yeah. On your website, it says you got a uh, degree in chimology. <laughs> That's a word I made up. Yeah, That's a okay. fake word. <laughs> Don't ever play, play Scrabble with me. Yeah. <laughs> but you did go to some sort of certification to get started before you went before you started the company and just went from there. Or? Yeah. So when I first when I first got into this, um, uh, I actually had a business partner slash investor, and and we didn't know what to do. We we're like, hey, you know, where do we go? We met up with a uh, chimney sweep in in uh, Topeka, and he goes, you got to go to the National Chimney Sweep uh, Training School in Indianapolis, Indiana. So we're like, okay, I'll go do that. So I went there and, uh, this is 23 years ago. It's a bit different now. They've improved, <laughs> but, uh, it was, uh, it was a pretty small association, the National Chimney Sweep Guild. Uh, and basically they had, I think two people on staff and then volunteers that of chimney sweeps that eventually that were basically on the board of directors for the, uh, for the association. And, uh, they, it was a week long intensive course. And, uh, we, uh, would do some field work and everything. And then, uh, luckily when I went to that, I, I met uh, a lady that was going to, that was basically going to chimney sweep school because she had a husband that was addicted to work he, and she figured, well, if I want to see this husband of mine, then I probably need to work with him. And, uh, she was out of Wichita and lo and behold, I would cater a lot in Wichita. So, so I met, I met her and uh, met her husband and, and would spend a lot of time. We'll get into that when we get into mentors later with some of the questions, but yeah, so that's how we, that's how we kind of got going, got rolling. And, uh, and since then the, uh, training school and a lot of there's a lot of traveling education in the industry now and things like that a lot of online courses so it isn't hard to get education it's just you know the people finding the people that want to that want to expand their knowledge and everything and get excited about education so what even gave you the idea in the first place to do chimneys was that just a unmet need that you saw or was it just something you saw that seemed like a good business idea or what what brought you to that point? Yeah, so I grew up in Lewisburg, which is just south of Kansas City, and uh, I w- at the time when I started when I started this, I was actually working for, like I said, Chris Cakes, and the owner said, "You know, you should 
you should start a business. You really shouldn't be working for me. You've got a good drive and you've got a great work ethic. And I don't know any business owner that that would do that to many people. I mean, I, I, I of course, have talked to employees and past employees and people. And I say, look, chase your passion. You only get it to live once. And, but I never had anybody tell me that. And I was, you know, I was young, 18, 19. And he said, you know, if you want to start a business, I'll, I'll finance and I'll help you out a little bit if, if you want. And I still to this day don't know if maybe either a, he was really one of the most inspirational people in my life or B, he was trying to get rid of me. (laughs) And no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, no, he, thanks to him. So uh, we looked into a lot of different businesses, um, mainly looking into service businesses, because when you're kind of running something as a side hustle, now there's just so much more. Because back then, uh, we didn't even have a website when we first started out, because there's yeah. no internet, really. Yeah. It was kind of a new thing. And so basically, a lot of the side businesses, you would you would do like service businesses. So we looked into a lot of service-based businesses. One of them was like uh, mobile oil change, which I still think would be a spectacular business. And a few others and chimney sweeping popped up. Well, in Lewisburg, both my parents and Steve that owned uh, that still owns Chris Case to this day and was uh, my boss at that time, he uh, he had tried to get a chimney sweep down to Lewisburg, which is just south of Kansas City. And uh, and they just couldn't get anybody because they, they were so busy. And he's like, man, you know, we got to look in this chimney sweeping thing. And so we did. And, and uh, then, like I said, we ended up uh, meeting up. We ended up buying a little starter kit. They had these starter kits a long time ago. That's how most of the industry got into chimney sweeping. And we found a, we found one for sale and uh, it was a firefighter because a lot of a firefighters got into this industry a long time ago. And uh, we went down to Oklahoma City and, and purchased this kit, which was basically some rods and a couple brushes and, and a big vacuum, huge vacuum. And we went up to Topeka right after that and showed the chimney sweep up there. And he's like, yeah, you need to go to chimney sweep training school, (laughs) which thank God for that guy. Cause there's so many people, there's no licensing or real regulation in the industry. Like I have licensing, I have certifications, but are they, are any of them like required? No, they're not. So you, it's kind of the wild West in this industry, like it is in some other industries as well. So you want someone that has that, that takes the time and invests in the education and the certifications and everything else, especially for them and their staff. You know, if you're going to have them out to your house, you want to make sure you know someone who isn't just telling you something they think and giving you some actual facts and checking things out and stuff. So very cool. So at this point, how big has the company grown to over those 23 years? For example, how many employees you mentioned you had a partner to start ish. I had an investor essentially. Yeah. He, 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 he basically loaned me 10 grand kind of helped out. I mean, helped me get some of my footing under me and stuff. Um, and then, uh, and then basically uh, within a year, I was I, I had gotten busy enough to where I was like, man, this is I, I like have no time at all trying to work my primary job and this secondary quote unquote side hustle or business that I had started. And uh, I, I just I, I just had to take the leap. But luckily, we didn't have kids. We didn't have uh, a big mortgage. We were in our first house and things. And Brandy had a good job. My wife, uh, she's she's a nurse. We met in nursing school, which is a whole nother story. <laughs> so. Uh, so how many people do you have now? Ah, good. So, yeah. So right now we've got 15 people roughly. Um, and uh, we we've gotten up to 20 
in the in the past the last three years over COVID was a weird thing for service companies. We none of us thought that we would have probably the best years of our business life over this time that everybody was supposed to be locked down and shut oh. up. Well, when they got locked down and shut up in their house, they're like, I need to get some stuff done around here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'll, I'll tell a story from, I know you from before and mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I once asked you how you have that many trucks and how that how you have that many people for chimneys. You wouldn't think it's that big of an industry. Yeah. And you told me to look around and see how many chimneys I saw. Precisely. So, yeah. um, is there a lot of competition? I mean, are there a lot of companies around doing the same thing? So when I first got into this, we we would we were able to go to the yellow pages, which was this big yellow book that you know you would yeah. you would you would put all over yeah. the house. It would you'd get one or two you know uh, on your front doorstep, and that's how you found people, right? right. You you'd get in the yellow pages and and uh, you'd open up the book, and you know you either start calling people or you look at the big ads or whatever. And uh, so when when I first got into this, I opened up the yellow pages, and that that's how we looked. We had no Google or anything. And, uh, man, I'm starting to sound old. Uh, and there was 36 companies, 36. Oh, wow. Now I count about 18, but okay. I don't know how big those companies are. We need to have you interview every one of them. <laughs> so we find out, but, uh, I don't think they're that big. Um, the average size chimney sweep company in the United States is about five people. So I'm a weird one. Um, and I've got, I, I've got, two friends that have over 50 employees. Okay. Um, so yeah, so the sky's the limit. It just depends on, you know, uh, I, they're kind of heavy in certain things in the industry that I'm not, I've scaled really well, but I like where we're at because I, I still, I keep myself in the mix and I'm, I'm able to keep the quality up when you get really big, it, it, mm-hmm. you start having quality issues. Right. And, uh, so I like where we're at. I right. like where we're at. Speaking of quality issues, you know, using subcontractors, you struggle with that. And is that something you've never done or closest thing that I ever did to a subcontractor is two things. I, I had a, an ex employee that started a company in his small town. He, he wanted to go move back home and I, Hey man, you know, it's far enough away that, you know, he's not a, a threat or anything weird. And so he would come back and work, uh, as a 1099 contractor, uh, for me, uh, during the summer, because it, during the winter, it's, it, you just get so busy this time of year. It's crazy. Everybody needs it done. It's cold outside. People are using them. And so during the spring and summer is where you still, you slow down and you gotta, you know, be a real good business owner at that point. And then, so he was one. And then, uh, I had a brick Mason cause most of the chimney we deal with are brick and it's a whole nother industry mm. brick laying stone mason things like that so i had a union bricklayer for a long time and he would uh he would do it part-time for me as i need him and now we've got two full-time brick masons that also do repairs and things as our repair crew so we're pretty good okay yeah. uh this is kind of a two-part question i know from what I've seen of your company, you do focus a lot on training and education. Uh, so I would ask how you encourage growth within your employees. And then also, I believe your wife is involved in a lot mm-hmm. of that. Is that. What kind of role does she play in the company? Yeah. So, um, so Brandy, is, she runs the office. She also does a lot of the HR stuff. She has a master's in nursing administration. So she's, uh, and we're not nurses, but administration's administration. Yeah. I hate to say it, but kind of like business is business. When you look at business from a paper 
standpoint and everything and numbers and everything. But of course, when you look at skills, it's a whole nother, it's a whole nother game. Uh, so Brandy does that. She also is a business coach and she does that basically part-time and on Tuesdays and Thursdays, she concentrates pretty heavy on that. And she works from the home office here. And then she's down at Fluge Brothers World Headquarters, uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and basically more guidance and helping the office girls those days. And she answers some phones and things, helps customers, helps me, stuff like that. So, yeah. Okay. And and as far as your employees, is there uh, room for growth within your company? Is there kind of a plan for that? Yeah, so there is. So as we're becoming empty nesters, and there's some other things that I want to pursue too. I like teaching. Uh, okay. I was teaching uh, within the trade before the pandemic. And then that kind of got things weird and shut down. A lot of people went to online and stuff. Now I'm doing online co- business coaching through a company called Conquer. And that kind of feeds my little education thing because I feel like the trades are really suffering. A lot of pe- good, a lot of good people with really good skills are retiring or dying right now and they aren't sharing that and leaving that for other uh, generations and everything. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to get as much information out there as possible and share this knowledge stuff that I have. So that works out real well. Uh, and yeah, so what do I do to help the employees? So that the nice thing is, is as you, as, as you start getting tenured in employees or employees that have been with you for a long time, if you don't keep them engaged and give them new challenges, they're, they're not going to stick around. So I'm, kind of starting to offload a lot of the stuff that I do and spread it a little bit where our employees strengths are, which gives them some sticking power. It also gives me more opportunity to step out a little bit. Um, and it also, uh, and it grows them a lot through education and we, we bring in trainers, we get them special training and things like that. So that is the nice thing. And eventually I'm hoping that, the uh, that we're able to do kind of more of an ESOP type thing where the employees have a have a financial stake where they're kind yeah. of getting sharing the profits and stuff and I've got I've got that in the works. It's been a little rough this year. This year uh, has been a little harder on the trades because the uh, recession and all that stuff. So we're mm-hmm. kind of hitting that that slope back down from the pandemic. I think things are starting to level back out. So it's nice, okay. you know. Yeah, I've also kind of heard a rumor that. Um you're a cash only or you've never taken any kind of financing. And I mean, what, what's that entail now? Like you have a fleet of trucks, mm-hmm. you have real estate. I mean, what, what kind of things have you grown? Yeah. So we we're weird. This is where we get really weird. When I first started this, I was working a lot and there wasn't any money at the end of the month. And I'm like, where the heck did all this money go? So I started looking into that stuff and like I said, pre-internet, a lot of that stuff. Uh, and we found Dave Ramsey of all people, my mom, who probably doesn't, hasn't paid very many bills in her life. Cause I think my dad takes care of all of it. Yeah. She had found him uh, on this, on this thing called the radio. You oh, turn yeah. it on every, every car has one, I think still. Um, and, uh, it was like an AM daily yep. thing. You had to hit it right at noon or whatever. And, I became infatuated with the debt-free thing and me and Brandy and I decided to take the class and we went to a local church and took all the classes and everything and just went, just dived in. 
And it took about 10 years, <laughs> but we are debt-free. And it kind of changes everything, especially when you're in a business debt-free as well. So you've got to be pretty financially responsible because we don't, if, if a truck explodes, I have to write a check for it. I don't yeah. just go out and get a loan for it. So vehicles, work trucks and everything, I don't, I don't view them as, Ooh, is that, is that fancy and cool? I view it as I need something sturdy. That's going to last a certain amount of years. And then after that, it's just butter and we'll drive it until the wheels fall off. It needs to look good. needs to stay in shape and everything. So I can tell you a lot about work <laughs> trucks because we've tried a lot of them and I can tell you which ones fall apart before, yeah. you know, you hit, you want to get at least 150,000, 170,000 miles out of a work truck. If you get it more than that, and it still looks decent, you're doing great. Well, someone might be interested. So what's the number one truck? Number one truck. Okay. So the one that we're having the best luck on right now is the Chevy is a Chevy van. Um, I'm testing out the, uh, the Chevy work van, the express or what have you. And it's, it's, man, those things are awesome. Get like 200,000 miles out of them and it's just awesome. And we use a utility bed on them. Those have gotten pretty expensive, but right now I'm also testing out, a uh, smaller version because we're trying to get some better gas mileage in like 15 miles a gallon. We're uh, trying out the uh, Ford. Uh, what is the little one? The little white van I've got out there. It's a uh, Transit it? Connect. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And it seems to be doing pretty good, but the Chevy van is the way to go. Always All has right. been. What is the way that you currently acquire customers the most effectively? Is it word of mouth or do you do a lot of advertising? So we had to, we had to do a lot of advertising over the last year. I've never really had to do a lot of advertising. Um, I grew the company on word of mouth and relationships. That's changed. Now it used to be that, you know, hey, uh, oh, hey, I heard some so and so or I saw so and so the neighbor or somebody was getting their chimney worked on. Hey, who did that for you? Were you happy? And then I would call that person. And it was funny because we would get phone calls and the people would go, okay, I'm going to call around. And then like, 10 minutes later, they'd call and go, well, I guess I got to, they call back and they go, well, I guess I got to use you because like three other people just referred you. <laughs> so I had a great network of that. But with time, um, I mean, now there's places on called next door online and Facebook and everything else. So people just get online now and they go, Hey, I need a good chimney sweep or uh, anybody. And then you get this, this comment section of just every company in, in in yeah. the book, basically. And it's very confusing. But what people do is they actually look for their friends and family, the ones that they go, oh, yeah, I, I'm going to use the person that that person used. But they don't just call. They used to just call. Now they do a Google search and they mm -hmm. see how many online reviews you have and then they go to your website and does the website work and you know it's pretty it's it's pretty intensive yeah. uh, anymore so but that and so we but we do the normal channels we do uh google uh we've got a uh, web marketing place that does google ads um we still have a lot of uh referrals from around town um we get some of those you know trickles downs from next door and things and we and, and we do some videos and stuff like that but one thing we did find this year was uh when you when you have a recessionary time then you get this weird slowdown and then you're like what the heck the phone just doesn't ring on its own and my other stuff isn't working as well what do i do well the number one thing you do is you go back to your current your current customer base and we've been doing this 23 years we got like 15 16 
thousand people. And we did that and we reached out several different ways. We texted, we emailed and everything else. And that really did a lot for us. So we're going to stick with that. Um, uh, I'm, I reallocated some of the budget over to that, uh, maybe a little less Google ads, you know, just to get to the top of the list or whatever, and a little bit more, let's, let's get some more personal connection. And, and then those people use you and they recommend you to their friends and family, or maybe they, they're buying another house or whatever. Maybe the current house, maybe the current people that were your customer, if you market back to the house address, so many people market to the homeowner. Well, well, what, what if they moved? I mean, a yeah. lot of people moved over the last, but nobody's moving now. <laughs> On these follow-ups, is this kind of the same services or are you at, I've, I've heard a lot of companies believe you need a lot of add-ons, other options that you can sell the same customers. Are you, are you repeating the same services or do you have a lot of other side, side items that you're adding yeah. on? So we, you know, we'll... We'll do some other stuff for people. It just depends on the customer. We don't have a lot of... That's the cool thing about this. Sales is always a very important part of a, of a company and things, but we don't have... We're selling stuff to people that are known issues, essentially. So it's not really selling. It's more like we go in, people will call and say, hey, can you come tell me, you know, do an inspection and tell me what shape my fireplace is in? Absolutely. We go out and we do our cleaning or what have you. We do a visual on the inside, outside, go to the basement, run a camera up the inside of the thing, take photos, put it all into a report. And then here it is, you know, and, and over time, most chimneys, I would say probably 98% of the chimneys we look at have never had any service done right. on them, yeah. ever. It's impossible. You look at how many fireplaces, like, like we talked about earlier, and even with 36 chimney companies with like maybe an average of five people, if you do the math there, there's a, a sea of, of chimneys that will never get touched. And so once we go out there and we do that and we show them, hey, you know, you got this or that, this might cause some water entry. Maybe they called us with an issue. Maybe it smells, maybe it smokes, what have you. Then after we do all that, we, we try to keep them up uh, on a regular maintenance because you want to have your chimney checked out cleaned if needed on a yearly basis. That way you know the thing's ready to rock and you're good to go. Nothing infiltrated, nothing's falling apart. So let's pretend we we did every single thing we could do to a fireplace and someone just, hey, yeah, let me, you know, let's just do everything. Then we're still going to come out and do that inspection, cleaning, what have you. Uh, so it's more of a service rather than selling a lot of just different goods and stuff. I mean, I guess we have some glass cleaners and stuff, but yeah, yeah I'm not, I, that that's one interesting unique thing so there's not a lot of pushy salesy stuff it's more mm-hmm. of a it's more of an education care plan type type thing acquiring the customer and then getting them kind of on a service plan uh, exactly uh, recurring revenue, yeah so. it's kind of the same model for like heating and cooling and stuff they 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 really push the service plans and we we're we're getting a service plan enacted because i think it's easier for people yeah. but we still reach out to everybody uh, several ways every year. So, are there any big challenges that you came across as you've been growing? Anything specifically that kind of got in the way? It's a weird balancing act when you don't borrow money. A lot of people, and I and I, I'm in coaching groups and things like that will borrow money and they have this thing of of you grow your business with other people's money. Yeah. Well, the the that's okay if you want to if you want to do that. I, I've got plenty of friends that have went bankrupt that way. 
I, I think they'd probably do it again for some weird reason too. I don't know. But so we had the slow growth model and it, it's always planned out uh, pretty well because due to the fact that we're not uh, taking from a line of credit or whatever, I've got to keep a weird balancing act to make sure that we're taking good care of all of our employees because we're not just we're not just looking at this just as, hey, let's see how much money we can make. Of course, money's part of the deal, but we're also trying to build a business with good employees. Hopefully, that'll stick around forever. And I want them to have good, good things and nice stuff for their family and everything. So that's always the most interesting part is, is just making sure that when, if we're going to grow or where we're going to go, or if we need to grow or what have you, that everything's in place financially. So it's a blessing, not a burden. And I don't have to go, oh gosh, we did that too fast. Now I'm going to have to lay off some of you over there. Right. Yeah. And we're not on this roller coaster ride. We're more in a in an elevator that might have to go down one floor and then back up two and then back down one, back up two. Yeah. So So you've been able to stay pretty consistent with your planning and being able to stay on an up, upward trend and not have to yes, drop the, back too much. I haven't seen a downward trend since two thousand eight when okay. all the craziness happened. Yeah. This year was a downward trend. Okay. Um, but I'm not alone. I, I, I feel like I'm the only one talking about it sometimes, but uh, I coach and and I've got access to service companies across the United States and the smaller ones are always busy. They're always swamped, you know, where the owner's out in the field turning the ranch along with people and everything. They're always busy. But when you've got a little bit bigger business and uh, you're basically at the helm uh, running the thing like I am, those little adjustments and you're like, oh, man, this is a lot. This isn't trending like it, like it has been the last few years. And we saw this huge inflationary period where it's just like, man, I'm the best business owner ever. I could hire 15 more people over the last <laughs> few years. Well, my I tracked it pretty well, and I've been tracking it because it's very interesting, the the spending habits and, and what humans did during the pandemic because we were all freaking out. Then after we got done freaking out, we all said, well, this is the world we're going to live in. So people started to adjust. I've got to work from home. I've got kids that are trying to learn from home and pets and everything else. And I need to build an office. Well, that fireplace, wouldn't it be great to have that fireplace going and, and, you know, maybe remodel this and redo that. And so I don't know too many businesses that either started up or have ran for a long time that didn't see a huge amount of, uh, uh, business and income and everything else over the last few years. Then we started to see a little bit of a downturn once we started getting, once they started reopening things up and people are traveling a lot more now. Yeah. And then they shot up those interest rates. So people aren't yeah. buying houses. And so everything's kind of slowed down a bit. I think, I, I think people kind of got back to life a little bit. So it's kind of starting to trend back like it was before, like volume wise in business. And I keep telling as many business owners as I can tell, because they're all like, what's everybody doing? We're, we don't have any work. Where all the work go? I say, Hey, remember this time back before the weirdest thing in my lifetime happened yeah. <laughs> yours yeah. too. And uh, so, yeah, it was, it, it's, I'm, it's, it's still perplexing 
how great that little time was, but now we're getting back to normal. And so I'm, uh, you're going to see a lot of businesses failing. You're going to see a lot of businesses uh, struggling. You're going to see a lot of businesses laying people off, which it, it's happening right now. Yeah. You just don't hear about it. It's a lot of tech stuff though. Um, you just aren't hearing about it in the trades, but you're probably not nearly as worried being cash only. Correct. I mean, obviously, yeah. obviously worst case scenario, you do have to shrink, lay some people off, that sort of thing, but still not something that you're probably too worried about failing or going out of business or anything like that. That's one thing that we try to let our employees know when they're coming to work, uh, any team member or anything. We go, look, we're a, we're a pretty financially strong company. Instead of having a line of credit, I'm my own line of credit. So um, there's a lot of mumbo jumbo that happens on paper and stuff. But essentially, you know, we uh, just like Dave Ramsey boasts, we keep three to six months, not only on our personal, just in case there's a rainy day, something weird happens like your daughter's Kia gets stolen. That was fun. That <laughs> happened to us. And it, and it wasn't a, a huge burden because we had the finances to go, okay, yeah. this is what we got to do. Um, but with the business too. So yeah, it, it, it's going to take us a lot. And I thought we were going to get down and dip into it a little bit this year, but Hey, it yep. didn't happen because we got good people and we said, Hey, everybody, we got to, you know, open, open up a little bit more, do a little more advertising and remind people, Hey, we're right here, all these customers. And it worked, it worked well. We had good customers and we got good employees. So happy days. Very good. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to Life of a Founder. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you won't miss any of our upcoming episodes. And if you have any friends or family members who would enjoy the show, please share the link with them. We truly believe that small businesses are the lifeblood of our communities. So we encourage you to take that first step and start your journey toward business ownership. Hey everyone, I just wanted to take this opportunity to personally thank you for listening and sharing my show with others. If that's all you ever do, that's perfectly fine. You may have noticed that we don't currently have advertising on our shows, and as of now, I haven't made a penny for the hours I've poured into the show. So if you'd like to do more to support this show, you can visit the website at lifeofafounder.com support, where there are a few opportunities to support me. Once again, thanks for listening.